Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Today, I, I want to be talking about faith, and so if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to just write faith at the top, and I'm believing that God is going to instill something in your hearts today, that faith is a gift, it is something lived out, and something passed down. And so growing up in this family, my, uh, my family, we, we didn't really have many things, you know, they left everything, they, they, they left everything they possibly had just to move here. And so growing up, my friends would talk about these family heirlooms. You know, somebody would have a ring, a necklace, a painting, some random little trinket, that dog that you just passed down. You don't want it, but it's still coming in the family. You know, there's always something passed down. And, and growing up, I didn't really have any heirloom, anything, any physical thing to hold on to. But what I did have was stories, stories that my family would share, my parents would share about growing up and what life really was like for them. Um, how many of you? ever heard a story from a parent, grandparent about how hard it used to be and how easy it is now for us? Anybody ever heard that story? Yeah. Um, you know, my parents, they, they, they shared that story often. They shared the story of what this was like and what family, what life was like. And my dad would share this story um, where he is a, a young boy, so he was the oldest of nine. And, and as soon as he was able to, he started working. He picked up a job running the mail. And, and he would share the stories of him being on the bike, delivering newspapers in the middle of winter, you know, like, I'm like, how are you riding a bike in the winter? It doesn't matter. I did it. It happened. I made it happen. And my mom would also share these stories of, you know, walking to school. She'd be like, I, I walked to school in the wind, uphill, both ways, in the snow, like these stories of her journeys. And as I got older, these stories changed and they became different where my parents began to share stories of their faith and, and really the faith that they lived out and the way that they would stand up for what they believed in, in a nation that did not allow them to be free with their faith. And they would share stories of being interrogated and being asked, where's the church meeting? Where's the next location? And being in these crazy scenarios and, and being able to stand there and tell them and stand for Jesus. And so these stories of faith became my heirloom. They became my gift. And, and, you know, the Bible actually supports this. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. And this is a, a passage where Paul is addressing Timothy and he's writing to him. And it's this beautiful moment. And, and we'll start in verse 5. And this is what Paul says. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So what we're talking about here today is faith and, and really to be able to understand what this is, what is being passed down, what is being handed down, we need to allow the Bible to begin to define what faith really is. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And what we see here in chapter 11, verse 1, it starts off, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
See, for me growing up, hearing these stories of faith, I'll be totally honest with you, they did not seem like this sure thing. I mean, my family, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a planner. Anybody a planner in this room? Anybody a planner? Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I just saw somebody nudge their, their, their significant other. <laughs> um, I, I'm a planner. And so when it comes to the decisions that my family made, I'm just thinking about it logistically. Like you are leaving everything you know, family, friends, jobs, and you're going to a country where you don't even speak the language, you don't know anybody. How is this even going to work out? And so hearing these stories, I'll be honest, they sounded like a blind leap in the darkness. Like they just totally leaped, jumped, went into this crazy direction that there's no way that they could make it on the other side. And to see and hear these stories for me, what it cemented was something very clear that faith obviously had power to do something and it was impacting my family's life, but I didn't understand how it wasn't a blind leap in the darkness. And so what I wanna do is I wanna reread this passage here one more time and I wanna make sure that we understand really what the key words are here. So again, it says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The key words here are confidence and assurance. And so for me, again, this picture of this blind leap in the darkness, another picture that I remember growing up, so I grew up in youth ministry as well and in kids ministry. And I remember pastors and, and youth pastors and children's pastors calling up individuals for this example where they'd call the biggest, baddest high schooler in the room. It's, he's six eight. He looks like he's probably not supposed to be in high school, definitely a college wide receiver here, you know, and it's like, yet yeah, he is still here, super senior, get pad the stats, I get it. Um, and then he brings up the smallest little sixth grader you've ever seen. Like they're the smallest little one. And then they say, all right, what's going to happen here is he's going to fall into their arms. And it's like, what? And he's like, and that's what faith is going to be like. Okay, go for it, go for it. And the guy's like, uh, I don't know about this. And, and everybody in the room's like, man, if that's faith, I don't know if I can really do that. That seems kind of crazy to me. And really, I want to make sure that it's clear that faith is not a drop into some person's arms that could never catch you or never hold you. Faith is actually falling into the arms of somebody confidently and assured that they would never drop you, that they would never leave you. Why? Because their track record is proven in all of history. So... So I want to begin to define these two words, confidence and assurance. And maybe in your Bible, it was a different translation. It said a different word. Maybe it flipped them around. But I want to define it in the original language because what we see is that original language is what defines what this word really means. And again, just to be clear, I grew up in a Slavic home. So my third language is English. But uh, out of the three, Greek is not one of them. So I'm totally, I'm going to try my best with these pronunciations. But um, have grace with me here. So the first word, confidence, um, is Hupostus. Hupostus. It sounded right, right? It sound right? Yeah, it sounded right. Um, and this is what it means. Steadiness of mind, firmness, and foundational. The second word we see is assurance, and this one is elihas. Also sounded really good. I feel like it was, it was on par there. It was pretty good. I practiced it. It is concrete and proven. 
So what we see here is that the biblical definition for faith is making something very clear here. That life with Jesus and faith is not meant to be a blind leap into the darkness, nor is it meant to be a trust fall into the arms of somebody who could never catch you, but rather it's meant to be a life where you can live confidently and assured that you could trust God and fall into his arms, that he was never going to leave you, never going to drop you. That is who our God is. That is who our God is. And so um, in, in this journey of, of Victoria and I being a part of the Bible College, one of the years we actually got to lead a team of students to, uh, on a mission trip to Ukraine. And uh, little did I know that this trip was going to change my life completely. I mean, I, I've done a lot of mission trips in my life. I grew up a missionary kid, and, and really I didn't expect what God was about to do with this trip because the city that we were going to was the city that my dad actually grew up in. And I didn't really know what God was about to do in my heart. And, you know, you hear these stories, and I, I heard all these stories of my dad, you know, doing the bike routes. He would tell me these stories of, of carrying buckets of milk, you know, to bring it home. And, and it's one thing to hear these stories, and, and it's a whole other thing to really see all of it. You know, because your mind can imagine things. It can begin to see things a certain way. And when I got there, I didn't really know what God was about to do. But right when we got there, we get on this crazy flight. We land there. It's a seven-hour bus ride. And the first thing that they tell me is that the senior pastor of the church we're going to knew my grandfather. And I'm like, what? How is this even possible? They're like, no, no. Not only did he know your grandfather, but he attended services that your grandfather made for children when they were little. And I'm like, what is happening? And so well, there's this crazy connection that God automatically already does that I did not expect. I didn't even know was coming. And as this journey went on, they began to reach out to the family that now lived in the house that my grandfather grew up in, my, my, my dad grew up in. And they reached out to them and asked them, hey, would it be possible if uh, the grandson of the previous owner comes and gets to see this house that his dad grew up in? And they said yes. Not only did they say yes, but they said that they remembered my grandpa, that they remembered my dad when he was a little boy running around. And so we got to go and see this house. And, and I'm walking in this house. I'm looking at it, you know, and I'm a, a first thought is like, how in the world were nine kids growing up in this house? And I'm looking at it, and I remember my dad sharing the stories of how there'd be four of them on a bunk bed on a wall. And I'm looking at this wall. I'm seeing the bunk beds, and I'm seeing all these things, and it's coming alive to me. And one of the things that became so real was there's this piece of furniture, this table, and I don't really know if they understood the significance of it, but, but they began to show me this table in the back, and they said, this table was actually here in this house. This is your grandfather's and your family's table. And I was like, wow. And what I discovered is that this was the table that my grandfather would actually preach from. They'd have his Bible on, and he would hold underground private services because it wasn't allowed. It was illegal for them to have these services. And it was from this very table that he began to speak and preach to the future generation that was there and the kids there. This changed my life completely. Seeing these things, I began to look back at the stories that my family shared and I began to see them differently. What I didn't realize is that this moment began to instill a legacy of faith deeper in my life. And, and I remember my mom. So my mom is a, a total prayer warrior. Any prayer warriors here in the room? Okay, okay, okay. And when I say prayer warrior, I'm not saying, she's not playing around. She's coming in with anointing oil, which we got right here if you need some, okay? Um, she's coming in with anointing oil. You got a headache, you're getting a little oily cross on your forehead, okay? You got bad dreams, it's oil on the, the doorpost, you know, like she's coming in. She's 
she's coming in swinging, okay? She's not messing around. You got, you got issues with homework? Yeah, we're going, to, we're going to the prayer meeting for them to pray for you. I'm like, yeah, like it's the prayer that's gonna fix it. I should just do my homework, you know? And we're in this place, and, and my mom, she would just, she's the prayer warrior. That is who she is. And so I remember when I was a, a little boy, I, I began to have issues with my sleep, where I would sleep through the night, but I would be so tired. I mean, I would sleep and sleep, and it did not matter how much I slept. It didn't matter what time I woke up. I was still exhausted. And I remember they, we went to the doctor. Doctor is like, oh, this is normal. This is hormones. You know, you're just growing up. This is what life is going to be like as an adult. I was like, what? Uh, and in this moment, I began to realize that this was something deeper than this because a few nights later, I remember I was sleeping, and I woke up gasping for air. It was as if I wasn't breathing, and I stopped breathing in my sleep, and it totally terrified me. I was so scared because I didn't know what was happening. And so what my family and my mom did was said that we need to go to a sleep specialist. And so we went to the sleep specialist, and, and they hooked up all these things on my head. There was on my fingers. I mean, and they're like, okay, now go to sleep. It's like, what? How am I, you know, with all this stuff on my head, like glued, how am I supposed to even do this? And so finally I went to sleep, and I slept through the night, and the next morning, um, the doctor's just like, hey, when your mom arrives, we're going to discuss the results. I'm just sitting there waiting, and um, we go into the room, and, and uh, they sit me down, and they start telling me about the results that they found, and they found that my sleep was terrible. They said that there's multiple times in your sleep that you stop breathing completely, and it takes a minute for your body to realize that and make you start breathing again. And they said that I had sleep apnea. They said that for the rest of my life that I was going to have to actually sleep with a machine that would help me breathe and give me oxygen for every single night. Otherwise, there's a chance that I just might not wake up one day. And the entire time that this was happening, my mom was standing behind the doctor and uh, she's a prayer warrior. <laughs> she's standing back there and the entire time he's talking, she's like this. And then he mentions the machine, and she's like, man, we walked out of there. We walk out of there, and she's going to town. She's like, unbelievable. I cannot believe you would say these things. I cannot. And it's, you would think I was the one that gave the diagnosis, okay? She's like talking at me. How could he say this? I'm like, listen, I didn't do anything here, you know? And she's like, listen, God's going to heal you. You're never going to need that machine. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. You know, I don't know. Doctor said it. We're going to see what happens. You know, because see, at this moment, my, my mom's faith had not yet become my own. It was still her faith. And at this moment, I, I, I just went to bed. You know, my mom got the machine. She got these pills that were supposed to help me sleep. And they were all locked away somewhere. There was no chance it was coming in my room. The only thing coming in the room, anointing oil, you know. <laughs> and so that night... Um, I remember I was sleeping and, you know, I woke up, but it was different. I, uh, I didn't wake up because I wasn't breathing. I, I could hear my mom. And I remember waking up and I, and I kind of pretended like I was still asleep and I could kind of see my mom at the foot of my bed praying for me. And I could hear her begin to pray. And she begins to speak over my life. And she begins to speak about my future and, and begin to speak about my future kids and my future family. And she's praying for me. And then she quoted this one scripture in Psalm. It was Psalm 127, verse 2. And it says that God gives sweet sleep to his beloved. And, you know, for me, I went to sleep 
right after that. And, and it was like nothing ever changed. I was like, I'm just going to go back to sleep and we'll see what happens in life. And by the end of the week, I began to realize that I had more energy than I knew what to deal with. I, I was like, I was like just bouncing off the walls. My dad's just telling me, what is going on? Like, you need to calm down, you know? So there's this crazy moment, and my mom's like, look at me, she's like, you're healed. And I'm like, we'll see what the doctor says, <laughs> you know? So we go back to the doctor, and, uh, and the doctor does this test, and, and he looks at my mom, he's like, yeah, he's totally better. He does not need this machine. He is 100% healed. Yeah, so I actually got healed so well, in fact, that if Victoria and I are going to sleep, at any point, if there's a break in the conversation, I'm out instantly. I'm, I mean, I'm out completely. So we've learned while we're having a conversation, I sit up straight, I stay attentive, and then once the conversation is done, I can lay back down and I can go to sleep. <laughs> um, I was healed very, very well. <laughs> I get great sleep now. And, um, but the point of this was this. Seeing my mom's faith contending for me in my life, it began to prompt something in me. See, what it did was it, I began to realize that not only could I put my trust in God, but I, I knew that I needed to learn how to put my trust in God. And, and really, the, my life continued and made mistakes and learned and grew, and I, God had brought me here to this Bible college. And so I remember it was my first semester, and ah, man, God did a work in my life. And I began to really discover the voice of God and, and learn who he was and, and grow in my faith. And, and I mean, to be surrounded by an entire group of people, an entire class, that everyone was on fire pursuing one thing, to get to know God and to get, become more like him. It changed me. I remember I came back from, from the first semester and it was Christmas break and and I, I was talking to my mom about everything God was saying. And, and the reason that that's important is because I didn't always do that. You know, my, I have voicemails on voicemails from my mom where she would call me. As soon as I moved away, I'm her baby boy, you know, call after call after call, you know. It's like, it's two in the morning, I'm sleeping, you know. But one thing that happened was that God obviously changed something in my heart and in my life. I couldn't stop telling my mom. I couldn't stop telling my friends. I couldn't stop telling anybody about what God was doing in my heart and what he was telling me about my life. And I remember the, the break had ended and I went back to, to second semester of my first year. And I remember God was still doing a work. It was powerful. I mean, I, I'm telling you today, who I am now is completely different than who I was when I came in. And, and I remember getting a call from my mom and I picked up. And I was like, let's go. And I picked up the phone and my mom and I were talking and she's telling me about life, what my little 15-year-old sister was doing at school, you know, like everything that's happening at home. She's telling me everything. And then she began to tell me about her recent doctor visit. And for me, it was like, oh, I guess we're just growing in our friendship and our relationship here that she would share this with me. And she began to tell me, you know, they did this test, this test, and then they were like, um, and then they found something and they needed to do a biopsy. And they did the biopsy and it came back and it's cancer. And not only is it cancer, but it's stage four. And I have a month to live. And I remember in this moment being totally flooded with emotions, frustrations, pains. And 
uncertainty. I, I just didn't even know what to say or what to do. I, I, I was just speechless in this moment, and I'm just trying to pray. I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I say? And before I even got to say a word, my mom says, but it's okay. And I'm like, how could this be okay? She said, it's okay because in October, God spoke to me and told me that I was going to lead a women's conference in May. And that's five months from now, so I'm obviously going to be okay. <laughs> And so my mom, she says this to the doctor. <laughs> and the doctor's like, ma'am, I don't know what to tell you. You have, I mean, you have maybe two months, maybe two months max. And she looks at the doctor, she says, but God said. And so she went home at that point and, and she continued planning. She began planning the conference. She continued preparing for it, getting speakers lined up, worship teams lined up, planning this thing. And before we knew it, two months had passed and she felt like she wanted to do something to symbolize her faith and stand with God that she was gonna be able to do this conference. And so she decided to do a water fast and she decided to do it for 40 days. And so my mom goes on this water fast for 40 days and she begins to believe God. She continues planning, continues preparing. We're talking about my graduation. We're talking about all these different things. And before we knew it, May had arrived and the flights were booked. Everything was prepared. The conference was sold out and she was ready to go and get on the plane. She had defied already what the doctors had said, believing what God was gonna do. And so she decided to go one more time to the doctor. The doctor was speechless. He had no idea what to even begin to tell my mom. He didn't know how to respond, what to say, but he said this, if you get on this plane, you won't make it. And even if you do, you definitely won't make it home to your family. And my mom looked at him and said, but God said. And so she made it. Not only did she make it, but as she described, it was one of the most powerful and real moments that she had with God in her entire life. She began to lead these women in a, in a powerful way that that region had never seen. And there were women that gave their lives to Jesus, women that were freed, women that were saved from situations in their homes. And, and what happened after that was she came home and she began to share her story of faith. So not only did she make it there, she made it home. Little did we know that the, the fight was just beginning in her life. And, and I remember I had finished the summer and we had so much fun together. I mean, I was showing her songs. I was showing her things that were happening. I was showing her our, our bunk bed situation with all the roommates. And we were, I was just showing her all these things. And I was expecting for God to do something in my life. And I remember there was this moment before I went back where she told me, I told her, I was like, maybe I should stay. Maybe I shouldn't go. And she said the same words to me. She said, but didn't God say? It pushed me. It pushed me. Her faith built something in me. And so I came and uh, we were having a blast. God continued to do so much in my heart. And I remember on September 3rd, I got a call from my mom. And I pick it up and it's my dad. And I'm like, why is my dad calling from my mom's phone? And, and little did I know that at this point, uh, my mom actually had regressed in her health significantly. It was to the point where she had actually not said anything in a week, not a single word. But she all of a sudden was saying, I wanna talk to my son. I wanna talk to my son. Call my son. I wanna talk to my son after a week of not saying anything. 
And so my dad calls me. He's like, hey, your mom wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. I have no context of anything. And she begins to speak into my life and pray for me and prophesy and speak into who I am and, and the man I was becoming and all these things. And the, at the end of the call, after all of these things that she had spoken into my life, she says this. She says, Vlad, I think I'm, I'm ready to go home to be with Jesus. I feel, like, I feel like I did what I needed to do. I feel like I was obedient to him. I want to go home. And for me, I'm going to be honest, selfishly, I was like, no, I thought we have faith. We're going to believe God. No, this isn't what we're going to do. And then I just felt this stillness on my mind. And I said, Mom, if you want to go, you can go. And the next day, I got a call from my dad. My mom had gone home to be with Jesus. And little did I know that her life of faith was actually still in motion, even though she had breathed her last breath. Because it did something in me. And it was about to do a lot more in a lot of other people's lives. And so my mom, we had our service for her. And there were people that came from all over. I mean, we had people coming from out of country. We had people coming from everywhere because her life of faith had impacted them to a certain level and a certain degree. And so being in that place and being in that moment, I began to realize that God wanted to do something with this service. God wanted to bring faith into the room and not doubt. And we saw people from all over the world getting saved, getting changed, being transformed in a, in a funeral service. And so what I realized was this, my mom's life of faith, who she was and the life she lived, not only did she show me that I could trust God, but she began to show me how to trust God. She began to pass this down into my life. And, and, and I wanna tell you here today that there is something in our lives that we're passing down. What is it? What are we passing on to the next generation? There's a scripture in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, one, where it says that, that there is a multitude in heaven. There's a, a great multitude in heaven. And what this speaks of is to generations of faith. Generations of faith who have come before us to challenge us now as generations to come, to pour in and to give something of faith to those to come. I wanna to speak to all of you about the fact that I, the truth is as a youth pastor, I have two hours, two hours a week to pour into somebody, to love on somebody, to be there with somebody. And I'm telling you, we try so hard. Our, our leaders are amazing. They love these children so much. But I know one thing is that there's other people that are pouring in other things in their life. But what are those things? Is it faith or is it bitterness? Is it faith or is it doubt? What is it that we are pouring in? You might be saying, I don't have a student in my life. I don't have a kid in my life, but you have somebody that you're pouring into. There's somebody that you are pouring into. What are you passing on? What gift are you giving to them? We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.